Welcome and thanks for joining us today on the Abundance Podcast. Well, we'll go ahead and get started in prayer. Well, good morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you for this chance to come together and we thank you that we just thank you how awesome you are. Thank you that you have an awesome plan for each and every one of us, Lord. And I just ask that you'll help us to see the calling that each one of us has on our lives and that we'll pursue it. But most importantly, we'll pursue you. So thank you, Lord. You're awesome. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today's episode is entitled, What is Abundance? And so basically it's the story about how this podcast began. And we'll be going over the parable of the sower and the seed. And that played a role in how this podcast came to be. So to start this out, I just first want to point out and recognize that for those of you who are listening, we all are at different stages in our walk with Jesus. Some may be just starting and, and some may be, for lack of a better term, well-seasoned, uh, having been a follower of Jesus for a long time. And for the rest of us, you know, maybe we're somewhere in between those two, those two uh, points. But no matter where we are in our journey, there'll be times where we'll have the opportunity to step out in faith, where we'll have to step out of our comfort zone in order to do something we feel Holy Spirit is asking us to do. And within some of those circumstances where we step out in faith, there will be times where the Holy Spirit confirms it and we know that he has confirmed it with us. But even in those situations, it still requires faith because even if we know that we know that we know we're supposed to take a step in a particular direction, we still don't know exactly what the final outcome will be. But that's really what faith is. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I've got a couple other ways that I want to try to say that. I've been trying to think of a, a, a way to, to say that. I've heard some good ones, but, you know, here's a, here's a couple just to chew on. Faith is the physical proof we truly believe will reach the destination. So again, I'm going to say that again. Faith is the physical proof we truly believe will reach the destination. Here's another one. Operating in faith is proof we believe will reach our end result. So one more time, operating in faith is proof we believe will reach our end result. So again, just kind of another way to say that because now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And, we, and I could really get off on that, but we'll just keep on moving. So another example where we operate in faith is where we don't have confirmation upon confirmation. We also don't feel the Holy Spirit has said no. And, and another way of saying that is, we don't sense a check in our spirit, okay? Now, I'm aware there are other ways the Holy Spirit can lead and guide us. You know, Colossians 3.15 says, and let, and let implies that you can choose or not choose to it. It just means to allow. So, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body and be thankful. So, this scripture is pointing out that the peace of God is your guide. It's like an umpire. So, let the peace of God rule your heart. So if you're not sensing peace, most likely it's because that leading isn't from God. Now, I'm in no way going to attempt to try and number the ways we can be led by God. I'm not trying to put God in a box or anything like that. But I do believe our relationship with God can develop to a point where we don't need four confirmations and a wet fleece and a dry fleece and an email from God to move in a particular direction. And that's the goal with this episode. 
My hope is that by sharing how all this got started, meaning this podcast, it'll encourage you to step out and do what you feel God is leading you to do. So to get the ball rolling, I think there's the temptation when we're considering stepping out to do something that God has asked us to do, that we always try to figure out how the end result will be, how would it all turn out. What I mean is we can be so concerned with the end result, which is 20 miles down the road, that we're hesitant to even take the first step. You know, we can almost become paralyzed. (laughs) It's like when the chores are built up so much in the house, when the house is messy, the kids have gone crazy, the the dishes are piled up, you know, you got to do laundry, you got to straighten out the house, you got to clean surfaces and all that stuff. Sometimes we don't even know to, (laughs) there's so much to do, we don't even know where to start, so we're just kind of (laughs) paralyzed. Now, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with planning ahead or setting goals. God's actually all about goals, and we're just going to take a little rabbit trail and and, and look at this. Habakkuk, however you pronounce that, Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 through 3 says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Now, I'm not trying to get too deep into this scripture, but I simply want to point out that in relation to our goals, this scripture actually tells us to write them out. It says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. So I believe it's saying that not only is it good to have goals in our head, but it's saying to actually write them down, to put it in plain sight so you're reminded of them daily. And with today's technology, you don't even have to write it out. And this is your scripture to stand on for that. It says, make it plain on tablets. So there you go. You can actually type it out. So that was my dad joke for the day. You know, I, I couldn't resist. But yeah, you could you can write it out. You can type it out. You can just just get it down on some paper or or something so that you can see it. And so what's the purpose of setting goals? Verse two says that he may run who reads it. So the purpose is that we'll pursue them, that we won't become complacent and lose sight of what we're moving towards. And that not only applies to the spiritual, but it also applies to the natural. So an example of that would be, well, let's say we're trying to get in better shape. You know, we're trying to take care of our our, our tent, our body. You know, a physical fitness goal like jogging every day or a work-related goal like getting to work on time and, and <laughs> or getting this many hours in for the week or something like that. You know, we can, we can put that on a piece of paper and something to remind us to keep us motivated and to remind us of the goal that we once set. So there's nothing wrong with being a good steward of our bodies or the opportunities in relation to work that God has given us because we have that job so that we can provide for our families and and a number of different things. So goal setting is definitely a godly principle. But I believe there's a balance to be had where, yes, we set goals inspired by God, but it's important to be obedient with where we're at at that current time. We don't want to get so focused on the end result that we fully expect to arrive to and lose sight of the very thing that's directly in front of us that needs to be accomplished first in order to in fact reach our goal. So all that to say, it's important we take the first step. So for me personally, I really truly desire to be used for the kingdom. But if I'm really honest, setting goals for myself is a challenge. And what I mean is I've seen so many ideas of what I thought things might look like 
And I'm not talking about ungodly ideas. I'm talking about godly ideas and thoughts that end up being totally not what I thought they might look like. Now, if we sat down and talked about me personally, there are goals in my life. And, and I actually did that one time. I, I went to someone who knows about this principle of setting goals and I shared with them how I have a hard time setting goals. And, and he says, well, you have goals. And so we kind of went over it and they're, and they're really simple goals, you know. So when I say it's challenging for me to set goals, what I mean is I just really don't have the desire for the typical goals that some may have. You know, I don't have the desire to make a lot of money or to build my way up the ladder at my job or, you know, fill in the blank with any typical type of goal that someone may have. And I'm not saying that to try and sound all deep and spiritual. In my life, I've had money. I inherited some money from my dad, a good little chunk. And because I was living according to the world system, I just squandered it away. But all that to say is I've learned through that process that money doesn't satisfy. And if money is the goal, you'll never have enough. <laughs> there's always something better or something, you know, there's always something else. There's You always want more, you know, and so money is never going to satisfy. But one thing I want to point out is there's no problem with actually having money, Okay. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. It's not money that's the root of all evil. It's people leave out that word, love. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil, and that's in 1 Timothy 6.10. Money in and of itself is not evil. So God has given talents to certain individuals, and I know we're going to get to the podcast here, but I got a few things I wanted to, to share on. But God has given talents to certain individuals who, because they have the right heart, he has entrusted them with the ability to get wealth. And they in turn take care of their families, but most importantly, they use that money to advance the kingdom. 2 Corinthians 9.8 talks about having sufficiency in all things. Well, money is included in all things. <laughs> and, and then it says, and have an abundance for every good work. And verse 7 before that is talking about not giving grudgingly or out of necessity. So it's not just a spiritual principle, which, you know, you can apply it to some things like that, but it's specifically talking about money. You can go back to chapter eight to see that. And and I maybe it's even even before that, but it's very clear it's talking about the church that wanted to give a monetary gift. Anyways, we have to really be careful that we don't become critical of other believers who are doing well financially. You know, we can develop this Judas syndrome. <laughs> like Judas, Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples. In John 12, in the story where Mary took an expensive oil and anointed Jesus with it, Judas spoke up and was critical of her saying, it should have been sold and given to the poor. But verse six says he didn't care for the poor at all. So what can that look like now? Well, that can be someone where we see someone with a nice house and we say, well, they shouldn't have a nice house or or we see like a pastor with a nice truck and we think, oh, they shouldn't have a nice truck or a car or, or you know, that's dumb. <laughs> that's the nicest way. Well, it's not probably the nicest way, but it's just the Judas syndrome. It's looking at what other people have and being critical of them. And you have no idea how faithful they are with their finances toward God. I heard one example where a pastor who was highly criticized, and I don't actually know who the pastor was, but it was one pastor was given as an example, and this other pastor was a friend of his, how this pastor 
lived in a, you know, $1 million house or something like that. And people were really critical of him. Well, they didn't know that he was highly successful with, I think it was business or something. I think he wrote books or I, I actually, I don't know for sure, but he did something where he was blessed financially. And it wasn't just off from his church or anything like that. He didn't just give himself a giant salary because he was at a big church or something. It wasn't like that. So people would be really critical of him, but they don't know that that pastor actually gives over-the-top generous to people. Um, The pastor that was telling this story was saying how that other pastor that I'm talking about had actually given him a couple different cars in his life, just just gave him cars that he that he does stuff like that. He pays off people's mortgages. He just he just does all these over the top things. He is just an awesome steward and that's not even counting what he gives faithfully to the ministries and and to missionaries and all that stuff. Like he's just over the top that he yearly gives away the actual value of his house in tithes and offering. So my question would be how many of us give away in tithes and offerings the same as what our house is worth. (laughs) There's probably not too many people, you know, that do that. You know, I don't know. Let's just throw a number out there. Well, if someone gave 15,000 in tithes and offerings, 10% of that, you know, that's 10% of 150,000 if I'm doing my math right. You know, how many of us would like to live in a $15,000 house? You know, not too many people. So my point is, we can be really critical of other people, but we have no idea how faithful they are with their finances, how, how good of a steward they are, and how much they're actually giving back to the kingdom. So we don't want to have this Judas syndrome where we're just critical of everyone else. So if we've been critical like that, let's just allow the Holy Spirit to change the way we think. Because that's what we're all on, is, is a journey to change our, transform our mind through the Word of God. So let's let's be like Jesus, not Judas. <laughs> So back on this topic, and it's fine for us to have the desire to move up the corporate ladder. As the saying goes, I'm not going to be the one to say that God hasn't given someone that desire to excel at their jobs. God needs his followers in positions of influence. Do we want unbelievers making the decisions that affect all the many other employees underneath them in a job setting? You know, no, we want we want believers in those positions. So Let's have some God-honoring, compassionate followers of Christ in those positions. But if a believer doesn't have the desire to move up in their job, then we won't have those people in those positions of influence. And that's just a couple of the many examples we could discuss. But what I'm wanting to point out is we just need to keep our heart and our head right. And when the temptation comes to develop an opinion about someone else, we just you know let that thought go. So all that to say, for me... I simply don't have those typical type of desires or goals. However, one goal or desire I do have is to be a living sacrifice. And Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you, which beseech just means like I'm pleading with you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, that's really easy to say that we want to be a living sacrifice and that sort of thing. Let's look at what the book of Luke says about this. Luke 14, 28 through 31, and this is Jesus speaking, says, For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, 
all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? So what's it mean to count the cost? It just means to think something through. Consider what will go into something rather than just jumping into it without ever thinking about what comes along with it. And in this scripture in Luke, I, I really like the second example about going to war. You know, some of us don't know that we're in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle. And the enemy is out to destroy our life. And how does he do that? He tries to steal the word. He tries to steal the Bible from getting in our hearts. And we'll, we'll get into that here in this uh, parable of the sower and the seed. But that leads us into how this podcast began. The enemy loves to get us to do things that aren't what God has planned for us. And I'm not necessarily referring to bad things. I'm talking about good things too. You know, our job, our hobbies, you know, maybe it was fishing or hunting or sports, uh, placing more value on our kids or their hobbies than we do the word of God. So there are a number of different things that are good things, but they distract us from our relationship with Jesus. And we can have balance. We can have both, but... There definitely are times where it's very easily to get unbalanced in these things. So even ministry things like starting a small group or, you know, having people over to your house and and having a Bible study or on a larger scale, you know, starting a church or something like that. Just because something on the surface is a godly action doesn't mean necessarily that that's what God wants you to do. So uh, another example of this would be even being a pastor. You know, there are some pastors out there that have decided to be a pastor like it's the same thing as choosing to be a mechanic or a plumber or a doctor. They just think, well, that's what I want to do. So they go to seminary and they go on to be a pastor. Well, you know, in whatever we do, we should be called and separated into that position. But anyways, and that's not to be critical of pastors. I'm just trying to point out it, it doesn't matter if it's what it may be, there are choices and things we can do where we decide to move in that direction separate from Holy Spirit leading us. So again, I'm not trying to get into a ditch here, but all I'm trying to point out is that there are all sorts of things we can make the decision to pursue that didn't have the leading of the Holy Spirit behind it. And on a little side note, if God asks us to do something and we're sure it's God doing the directing and, and he's pointing us in that direction, When we decide to move in that direction, we should never need to ask God in our prayers, oh God, bless this, oh God, bless this. And and what I'm saying is, unfortunately, that's the approach a lot of us have had with things. We make the decision to do something and then we ask God to bless it. But if God told you to do it, it's already blessed. (laughs) You know, that really takes the pressure off of us and it places it on God where it should be. Because if God told you to do it, you don't need to you know, ask God to bless it because he's the one that told you to do it. So in relation to this podcast, you know, starting a podcast was the last thing on my mind. I truly never even considered starting a podcast. I literally knew nothing about it. All I knew was when I listened to something on YouTube, I couldn't black out the screen and put it in my pocket because the audio would stop. But with a podcast, I could. Now, for the last couple years... I've been feeling like the Lord has been saying to me to prepare. Now, I'm not reading into that, so you don't read into that. But with that word prepare that I felt he'd been sharing with me, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. 
or, or you know, so anyways, blah, blah, blah. But I'm also not going to limit God and put him in a box with how he intends to use me because like I've said before, a lot of the time I think God is going to do something in a certain way, but it ends up being nothing like I thought it'd be. But the cool thing is it's always better. <laughs> but I view this podcast as, as a step towards preparing like God has asked me to do. And who knows, maybe this is it. You know, I don't know. But this goes back to what we talked about earlier about goal setting. It's okay to be excited and have a hope or an expectation that God will use us for quote unquote bigger things in the future. But a little side note, something we should ask ourselves are, are we usable? You know, how do we get usable? We get the word in us. Getting the word in us is the first step towards being usable. But back to the point, it's okay to get excited about how God will use us to further his kingdom. But it's important we don't get so carried away in our thoughts that when God tries to direct us and we've become so dead set on it looking a certain way, that if it's different than what we envision, we then have a hard time being obedient because we say, you know, that's not what I had in mind. And what I'm really describing here is our imagination. First, I'd like to point out that our imagination is a good thing. It's not a childish or an elementary thing. God gave us our imagination for a reason. And we use it every day. You use your imagination to direct you while you're driving. You know, you envision the next turn. Or let's say you're on a long trip, a vacation, and you envision what it'll be like to finally get home and pull in your driveway and you don't have to drive anymore, you know. Another example would be where you use your imagination as if I asked you to count the number of windows in your house or count the number of doors in your house. You know, you probably have no idea how many of them you have, but with your imagination, you could go through your house and say, okay, this bedroom has two windows. This bedroom has one window, you know, and that sort of thing. And that's your imagination. So our imaginations are good. So it can be good to imagine how God wants to use us. And for some of us, maybe we've allowed our imaginations and how God may intend to use us We've allowed it to dwindle away and maybe that's because of our age or because we messed up and we don't think God would ever use us. So maybe we're not using our imagination. Maybe we think, you know, we're too far past the point of being able to be used. And everything I'm describing right there is we're allowing condemnation to set in. Now, what's the definition of being condemned? Being condemned means to be pronounced guilty, sentenced to punishment, deemed or declared unfit for use or service. So first, I just want to point out real quick, Jesus took on all our shame. He took our griefs and sorrows. The wrath of God towards sin was placed on Jesus. And every sin you have or will ever commit has already been paid for by the blood of Jesus. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now, meaning right now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. With something being condemned, just think about like a building that's been condemned. It just means that that building is unfit. Again, I'm going to say that unfit for use. It's so bad it needs to be torn down because it's no longer usable. So this verse in Romans says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So my question would be, have you believed in Jesus and made him Lord? And if you'd answer yes, then you're in him. So you will never be condemned. Why? Because you've trusted in Jesus. Now we can be deceived and we can place condemnation on ourselves, but it's not from God. 
John 3.16 is a very common scripture, and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then if you keep reading, verse 17 through 18 goes on to say, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So, back to our imagination. It's okay to use our imaginations and get excited about how God might use us to advance his kingdom. It's just important we don't get so set into thinking it's going to look a certain way that when the time comes for God to separate us for the calling on our life, that we aren't willing to take a step in that direction because it's just simply not the way we envisioned it. But the truth is, in relation to preparing, like I mentioned earlier, that how I felt the Lord has been sharing with me to prepare. And again, I'm sharing all this so that maybe you can relate to something in my story. You know, your story is not going to be like mine, but maybe there's something that I bring up that you can say, you know what, that's that's kind of similar. And, and so it's just to encourage you. But in relation to preparing, I was having a hard time following through with what I felt God asked me to do. Now, I would continue to read my Bible and spend time with Jesus. And this isn't to make light of that. You know, that's a major way we build our relationship with Jesus is because Jesus is the word. We need to just get in the word. However, for me personally, all I can say is that when I sat with my Bible and my computer and I was intentional about typing out what I felt Holy Spirit was showing me, and it was basically in kind of like a message format, it was just different. You know, the feeling I got was different. And we don't want to be moved by our feelings, but I was just enjoying it. I was just getting so much fulfillment out of it. But the problem was the way I'd grown in my relationship up to that point was by kicking up my feet and simply reading the word. You know, I've mentioned in before in some of the previous podcasts that the way I really enjoy reading the word it's just by laying down, kicking my feet up, and just reading. You know, treating it just like a book, I guess, if you will. You know, not exactly like a book, but... And and again, that still is my favorite way to read, and I still read that way. Uh, but honestly, the times where I'd quote-unquote study the Bible, which really wasn't all that often, but when I did, I knew that's what God was asking me to do. And without getting too far into it, I just hadn't found the way that really worked for me. And what I mean by that is at our house, I tried setting up a desk in our spare bedroom downstairs, but there were things that made it challenging for me to get down there as often as I'd like. And again, we all make choices, so I'm not trying to say these aren't excuses, okay? That's not what I'm trying to say. I, The things that we really care about, we'll make time for them. <laughs> you know, if we if we really care about cooking, we'll find the time to do what we want to do. You know, if it's fishing. You know, we've got a family or something like that. You know, if that's something that we really enjoy doing, we'll find the time to do it. So if we want to ever try to use the excuse that, oh, I don't have the time to read the Bible. Well, let me say this with grace and mercy. Yes, we all have responsibilities and God doesn't want us to not feed our kids or shove them in the basement for hours on end so that we can read the Bible. No, you know, that that's not it at all. But I would ask, how much time do we spend on Facebook? <laughs> you know, how much time? I mean, it's it's crazy how I can just jump on Facebook just to pass the time 
and I'm scrolling and 10 minutes goes by. You know, what a waste of time. <laughs> and and I'm not saying you have to be like that, but for me, like, I just don't value it anymore. And, and it's just, I just get done and I'm like, man, what did I do? Like, and I'm not condemned by it. We just talked about condemnation, but I'm just like, man, would I have been okay if I didn't scroll for 10 minutes looking at crap that probably points me in the direction that doesn't point towards the kingdom? All it is is junk and people complaining and, you know, everything, you know. So could I have done without it? Yes, and I probably would have been better off had I not looked at it. So all I'm trying to say is that we make the time for things that we place value on. So this is not an excuse, but just to kind of, you know, again, to share some examples, maybe you can relate with some of the things I'm saying. My wife and I have three kids, and right now they're all under the age of four. So at nighttime, during the night, they wake up from time to time. And basically, it seemed like it was always when I'd start to study downstairs. You know, I'd go downstairs and 15 minutes later, one of them would start crying and waking up. And I'm a night owl. My wife is an early riser. So if I'm awake already, it's really unfair to expect my wife to wake up, tend to the kids when they wake up, when she has to be the one getting up early to go to work the next morning. So if I'm already awake, you know, I should go help the kids get back to sleep. But another deterrent, if I'm just really being honest with you, is we moved into our house. You know, now it's been just about two years ago. And the basement is freezing in the winter. <laughs> Maybe it's just because I'm a wuss with cold weather, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, so that was a deterrent for me. Well, man, it's warm up here. I don't really want to go downstairs. And so I would use that. And, and again, I set that room up downstairs for where I would go to study. When I wasn't just trying to kick my feet up and read the Bible, when I was actually trying to study, I was the one that set it up down there. But again, these were roadblocks or distraction in my life that were keeping me from doing what I kind of felt God was leading me to do, which was to prepare. And just as a side note, um, (laughs) this may sound really simple. And yeah, like, how didn't you think of that before? But uh, one day I was just, it just came to me to just set up, set a little desk in my room upstairs. You know, like I said, I'm a night owl. So I try not to do things that are going to wake my wife up so she can sleep. But that was one thing I did is because the mornings, especially I'm not really a morning person. So, but I do like to read and I do try to create good habits of getting up and reading the Bible in the morning and not because I'm trying to be a robot or it's, God is expecting me to do that or anything like that. It's just like I've seen the fruit of it and I may touch on that a little later. Yeah, I will touch on that a little later is that I know how important it is and and I see the growth that happens in my life when I take the time to get up early in the morning, even though I don't want to and I read and I'm not talking about for five hours or nothing like that. I don't get up at five in the morning to read. You know, I have to be to work around 830 And so I typically will try to set an alarm at 645. It takes me a little bit to get up. My kids wake up at seven. But anyways, I can have, you know, at least a half hour, if not an hour, you know, to kind of read and, and, and that sort of thing. And if anyways, blah, blah, blah. But as a little side note, like I said, I ended up sticking a little fold up desk in my bedroom And so that worked for me. And so that's what I've been doing. That's where I'm recording right now. I'm in my bedroom with the microphone and a computer and my Bible. You know what I mean? (laughs) Things we do for God don't have to be these elaborate things. So again, why am I sharing all this with you? 
the hope is that you'll be able to relate to some of the things I'm sharing. And what I just want to point out is it's just important to spend time with Jesus and don't, yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll talk about that a little later. Again, with all these quote unquote distractions and these deterrents, the things with the basement and the kids waking up and different things like that, I want to point out that none of these things were bad things. Well, a cold basement, that's a bad thing. (laughs) But, you know, kids aren't a bad thing. Being blessed with a house that has an extra room downstairs, you know, that's not a bad thing. How's that expression go? The problems that us first world country people have, you know, they're not really problems. We just make them into big problems. We make majors out of minors. Um, But anyways, having an amazing wife isn't a bad thing. You know, someone that loves my kids and loves me and goes to bed at night so she can get up early and go to work. You know, that's not a bad thing. They're all good things. But rather than getting discouraged or condemned by not, you know, preparing like I felt the Lord was asking me to do, I would simply just thank God for the work he was doing in me. And I'd keep moving forward, understanding that God's not mad at me one little bit. So again, I mentioned how goal setting is a challenge for me to do. And so one day my wife and I are talking, my wife's name is Shiloh, and we got talking about, you know, the the future and different things like that. And and I shared with her, uh, and she's heard me talk about it before, how goal setting for me is a challenge. And she's kind of a goal setter herself. She, she's, uh, you know, she makes lists for herself, a checklist and you know, really manages her day really well, takes advantage of the hours that she has, takes advantage of loving on our kids and loving me and just, you know, doing her things with work that she has to do. She just, she balances these things up uh, really well. And she's hard on herself. She she doesn't think she do it, does it really well, but she does. But we just got talking about the future and she out of the blue says, well, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? And so I'm 37 and as I've already shared, I'm about as tech illiterate as one can get. So no, I had never thought about it. You know, I, I have no idea what even goes into it. So, but it sounded like a pretty cool idea, but I didn't feel a, you know, thus saith the Lord, start a podcast or anything like that. So at the time, it really didn't resonate with me other than being a pretty cool idea that my wife had, because I guess at the root of it, I just never really want to do something I don't feel God is leading me to do. You know, when we become born again, we're born again. So there's not much that the devil can do other than what he loves to do is he loves to get us busy. He loves to get us so distracted with things that are quote unquote, they're not bad things, so they're good. Um, But he loves to get us so distracted with, you know, doing all these extra things and, and, you know, anyways, I won't list off a bunch of things, but he love he loves to just get us distracted with doing stuff that we lose sight of our relationship with Jesus. Doesn't mean we're not a believer or anything like that, but we just, you know, if I don't ever spend time with my wife, that relationship is going to dwindle. If I don't ever spend time with my kids, then deep down they might know that I love them, but I mean, where's the evidence of it? So again, fast forward back to the podcast, fast forward two or three weeks And this idea of, like my wife said, about starting a podcast, you know, just came back to me. So I decided to Google it (laughs) because, like I said, I had no idea what what it was or anything like that. So I looked it up and, again, I knew nothing. I was able to find a bunch of stuff. One thing I found was this podcast site, Anchor FM, that distributes podcasts and you can load it up on there. And so that was really cool. 
I read a couple reviews on a couple reasonably priced microphones. I found a free recording and editing program that I could download if I ever decided to do it. And that was about that. I left it at that. But I saved my notes on what I'd found. And again, I don't want to do something just for the sake of doing it. I want it because that's another step I believe God is asking me to take. But again, I didn't feel like I should move forward with it. Then one night, I woke up and I couldn't sleep. So sometime between 3.30 and 4 a.m., you know, because I couldn't sleep, I just grabbed my Bible and started reading it. A lot of times I just set it right next to my bed and and so I can read. And, and I'm not sharing that to sound all deep and spiritual. I just couldn't sleep. So what else am I going to do? I might as well just read. And for some of us, just as a side note, for some of us that maybe struggle with sleep, you know, absolutely the enemy is trying to steal our sleep from us. And what does the word say? That we shall lay our heads down and we shall have sweet sleep. So, you know, if you find yourself waking up in the middle of the night, I'm not saying there's a devil underneath every rock, but it, it may be the enemy trying to steal your sleep and trying to, you know, if you can't sleep much, then you're, you know, frustrated during the day and you have a, you choo- choosing to have a bad attitude. You're just a little more susceptible to it because, you know, it's okay for us to rest. God gave us the ability to sleep. So what I would do is, man, if he wakes you up like that, turn on some praise and worship music. You know, open up your Bible, start reading, sock it to the devil. And and after you do that for a while, he's going to be like, man, that was dumb. Why do I keep waking them up? Because every time I do that, they just keep getting in the word and furthering their relationship with Jesus. That was for someone. And I've had those moments. I had those moments in my life where, you know, the, the enemy kept waking me up and he doesn't do that very much anymore. I sleep pretty good. I, I'm one of those people. I can fall asleep right away. But, um, you know, I say all that, but in this situation, that wasn't it. I just woke up and I just thought, well, I'm kind of wide awake. Why don't I just read? And I flipped it open and started reading about the sower and the seed. But instead of reading about it in Mark 4, which is where I typically have found the parable of the sower and the seed, I was in Matthew 13 where it's the same account. So before I continue on with my story about how the podcast came to be, let's just go over what the book of Matthew tells us about the parable of the sower and the seed. You know, it's super super good. Then at the end, I'll share what really ministered to me from Matthew 13 in relation to starting the podcast. So before we read over this parable uh, in Matthew 13, there's a couple things we should be made aware of from the account of this same parable in Mark chapter 4. So first, we need to see how important this parable of the sower and the seed truly is. Mark 4.13 says, and this is Jesus speaking, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So what's, what's Jesus saying? Understanding this parable is the key to unlocking or understanding all of his parables, all the things Jesus told them. This is the key. So if you don't understand this one, you won't understand the others. So I would say it's pretty important. And so if, if you're a believer and you've never, you know, really listened or if you've never really read this parable, you know, don't don't allow condemnation to come in, you know, but all we want to do is just like, oh, wow, you know, that's important. Well, maybe I should read it. And so that's that's just what I want to encourage you to do. And why is it important? Because Jesus is explaining the kingdom of God principle of seed time and harvest. And that is how the kingdom of God operates. Genesis 8.22 says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. 
So next, I believe it's helpful to have a heads up on a couple things that Jesus will be referring to within the parable. First, the sower that we'll see, that word sower, the sower is you and I. Mark 4.14, and again, we're going to go to Matthew 13, but I like how Mark 4 says some of these things. Mark 4.14, and this is Jesus speaking, says, the sower sows the word. So you and I are designed to be sowers, and the sower is constantly sowing seed. So you're, and that just means to throw seed. You're throwing it out there. It's landing on ground. Next, the seed is the word. And when I say the word, it's the Bible. Okay. And we could also say the word is Jesus because Jesus is the word. But 1 Peter 1.23 says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So you and I can throw seeds that aren't the word of God. You know, we can sow, we can throw seeds of doubt or unbelief or strife and, and, you know, the list goes on and on. But I just want to point out that the word of God is the incorruptible seed. The third one is, I just want to point out that the ground, which is where the seed lands, is each individual's heart. So the ground in this parable represents your and my heart. And more or less, the better way to say it is, it represents the condition of the heart. So we're going to go ahead and read Matthew 13, 1 through 23. So Matthew 13, 1 through 23. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He, Jesus, answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore hear the parable of the sower. So verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. 
Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So what we see in this parable are four different types of soil or conditions of the heart. So the first type of soil is the wayside soil. Matthew 13, 4 says, And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Verse 19 says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. So this type of heart, what I want to point out is it hears the word, okay? And 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 actually all four types of these soils, it says that they hear the word. So what's the significance of that? In order for our hearts to be one of these four soils, you know, we've got to get the word in us. If the word's not getting in us, we're not even one of these four soils. So we want to get the word in us. We got to hear the word. It also says that they didn't understand it. And we'll talk more about this later. But it also says the wicked one, which is Satan, comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So the second type of soil is the stony ground. Matthew 13, 5 through 6 says, Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Uh, Verse 20 through 21 says, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So this type of heart, again, it hears the word and they receive the word with joy, but only endure for a while. So don't read into this. I don't want to get in a ditch here, but an example of this, just to try and help us understand, to see what this explanation is kind of giving us. This kind of makes me think of those who on Sundays in church kind of hoot and holler, and maybe it's a group or an individual who's always standing up and shouting, amen, or hallelujah, or, you know, and and doing something like that every other word. So again, before we, before I get in a ditch, that's not the intent. Is there anything wrong with saying amen or hallelujah or standing up in church or clapping while the preacher's talking? No, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? But I just want to point out, sometimes some of that stuff can be more or less for show, okay? And and again, I'm not trying to get into a ditch. That's not the point, okay? Is everybody who shouts hallelujah or stands up, are they doing something incorrect? Absolutely not. You know, I would say most of the time, they're just excited by the word, you know, and so there's nothing wrong with that. And and we should always, you know, back with that Judas syndrome type of thing, even though that was geared towards finances, we shouldn't be critical, okay? We should give them, even if somebody does that a lot, we should give them the benefit of the doubt that they truly are just excited about the word. But all I'm trying to say is give you this idea of, you know, if someone were to stand up and shout hallelujah every other word and do all those things, it could be like, someone who receives the word with joy, but only endures for a while. And so what I'm trying to point out with that example is that someone can hoot and holler and be excited at church, but as soon as they leave there, when tribulation or persecution comes their way, they immediately stumble. 
Okay. What did that say back in the scripture? He says, they receive it with joy. So someone that's hooting and hollering and excited in church, nothing wrong with that. I would say they're receiving the word with joy. Okay. It's got to their hearts. But because they have no root in themselves, they don't know who they are in Christ. When persecution or tribulation comes, they only endure for a, a while and they immediately stumble. And I kind of got ahead of myself here, but I really want to uh, go over what I had here in my notes. So why is that? And here's the issue. They have no root in themselves. They don't understand what the word was saying. They came to church to be entertained, possibly. You know what I mean? Not in all circumstances, but sometimes some of us come uh, when we're first starting out to kind of be entertained. They were spending all their time hooting and hollering that they really weren't understanding what was being said. So in some cases, someone may not understand who they are in Christ. And as a result, they don't see themselves worthy of the grace and mercy that God has made available to each one of us. Some may have the head knowledge of who they are in Christ, but if it doesn't become more than just head knowledge, we'll question what God says about us when we mess up or when the first bit of trouble comes our way. So here's something else important to know. Why do hardships, tribulation, and persecution come against us? So verse 21 says, because of the word. Mark, and we're going to go back to Mark 4 now. Mark 4, 17 says, tribulation and persecutions come for the word's sake. And so something I just want to point out to us, you know, persecution and tribulation and all that. Now, first off, Jesus said that we're going to have tribulation, okay? In this in this life, you'll have persecution. I can't remember the exact phrasing, but he said we'll have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world and we're in him and he's in me. You know, we're a happy family. So, but, you know, we're in him. So we have been equipped with everything we need to overcome any circumstance that comes our way. You know, what? what's the, what's John 14, 1 say? He says, uh, let not your heart be troubled. And then verse two comes around and he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there are many mansions and I'm getting the scripture, you know, kind of backwards a little bit. But it's called the the great perspective verse. You know, he's telling us how not to be troubled with when persecution and trials and all that stuff comes. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. So it's a choice. Okay, let. If we couldn't choose to not be troubled, then Jesus was wrong with telling us that we had a choice. But because Jesus told us that we do have a choice, that just means we have a choice. But Jesus is telling us, hey, this is the way that you can overcome the trials and persecutions that come your way. He says, let not your heart be troubled. And then he kind of switches gear. He almost has like a senior moment where in verse two, he starts saying in my house or in my father's house are many mansions and I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back and get you. Okay. So what he's telling us is the way that we are not to be troubled, that the way that we can choose not to be troubled is to think eternally minded to think about eternity because when we think about eternity, this vapor of a life that we have, this blink of an eye just kind of it lessens in all the the junk that's come against us. When we think about eternity and we think how, about how good things are going to be and we don't have a clue how good things are going to be, but even with our, you know, our, our small thinking, man, when we start to think, put everything in the light of eternity, our stuff just, it just shrinks. 
Okay, I like the example of uh, binoculars. If you look in binoculars the correct way, it makes things look bigger. But if you flip them around and you look at them the opposite way, things that are even close look like they're super far away. So again, why do trials and tribulations come? They come to steal the word. They come for the word's sake. And so what's important for us to understand is trials and persecutions don't come because you and I are just all that. Satan comes to steal the word. (laughs) this may be tough for some of us to swallow, but Satan's not half as concerned with us as we think he is. (laughs) You know, sometimes we say, oh, the devil's just out to get me. You know, no, Satan actually thinks very little of us. Now, don't get me wrong. He does hate us. And, And why does the devil hate us? Because we're made in the image of God. You know, he hates God, so he hates us. So, you know, yeah, there's a balance there. Yeah, he doesn't he does hate us and he he doesn't like us. But at the same time, why does he come? Well, he comes to steal the word. So a couple things to point out. Verse 17 says, when the tribulation or persecution comes, immediately they stumble. So this phrase, immediately they stumble. So this just means it didn't take much for them to stumble right away. So I'm going to say that again, because it's kind of wordy and I wish I knew a better way to say it, but you know, it says that immediately they stumble. And all it's saying is that it didn't take much for them to stumble right away. But stumbling doesn't mean we lose our salvation or anything like that. We can't earn our salvation and our sin doesn't lose it. Okay. Verse six in the latter part of that. So verse six, part B, and because they had no root and root is just who I am in Christ. They didn't know who they were in Christ. They withered away. So the seed, which again is the word, it withered away. So what I want to point out is this happens progressively. You know, it's a slow fade. So again, this type of heart heard the word, received it immediately with joy. But when tribulation or persecution came against them because of the word, immediately he stumbles. The third type of soil is the thorny ground. And again, all this is going to be tied into how this podcast came to be. And this is what I was reading at, you know, 3.34 in the morning, and this is what ministered to me. So again, uh, the third type of ground is the thorny ground. Matthew 13, 7, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Matthew 13, 22, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. So this type of heart hears the word. But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Mark 4.17, you know, lists the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world, but it also adds uh, the desires for other things. I really like that one too. (laughs) First, I want to point out that the word is choked out. Okay. (laughs) Think about like WrestleMania. (laughs) Anyways, I, I was a big, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I was a big Ultimate Warrior fan. And uh, so I just, I, I read Choked Out and I think of his theme music. <laughs> Anyways, blah, blah, blah. I mean, maybe some of you that are around my age, uh, you know, can can relate to that. I remember uh, the gas station that we'd pass on our way going home. My parents were divorced when I was, when I was a little kid. So when I'd go spend the weekends with my dad, 
uh, we'd drive past this gas station and they had a bunch of VHS tapes and they had all the WrestleManias. So we'd go in there and we'd buy, you know, we'd rent a couple of them for the weekend and I'd, I'd watch WrestleMania, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan and, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan and, and, you know, all them guys anyways, blah, blah, blah. But so the word is choked out again, the devil comes to steal the word. And what is it that chokes out the word? So here's a few examples. It, it could be money. Cause again, we're talking about the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world, the desires for other things. So what are some things, and we've kind of already listed them, but what are some examples of things that can choke out the world? The word. It could be money or status, a job, sports, politics, hobbies, even your kids, your spouse, your friends. You know, all these things are things that can take us away from our spending time with Jesus. And again, we're not to abuse that. We need It's okay to spend time with your friends. It's okay to take care of your kids. It's okay for us to do things that we enjoy. You know, God wants us to enjoy life. But all I want to point out is we tend to think of quote-unquote evil things when we hear the phrase, the cares of this world. But it doesn't have to be quote-unquote evil things. It can be good things as well that get us distracted from our relationship with Jesus. So here's the key. Balance. Anything we don't monitor or tend to can develop into something that's unequally balanced. And ultimately, it can then choke out the word. So the fourth type of ground is the good ground. Matthew 13, 8 says, But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Matthew 13, 23, But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So first, again, these individuals hear the word. But what's the difference with this type of soil compared to the other soils or conditions of the heart? This one understands it. Mark 4.20 says that they hear the word and they accept it. So not only is it important to understand it, it's also important to accept it. We can understand the word, but we still have to, by faith, accept it or believe in it or put it into practice. Now that we've looked at the four different types of soils, which again represent conditions of the heart, I'm going to get into what ministered to me as I felt the Lord was leading me to start this podcast. So I'm going to pick up in verse 11. He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Verse 12, For whoever has to him more will be given and he will have abundance but whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him so the first thing is this word whoever that jumped off the page to me and it's used twice so what i want to ask you is are you a whoever well i am and what we can take away from this is that we all fall into the category of being a whoever no one is excluded from that So we're not talking about a group of people, we're talking individually. And what I mean is when I hear the parable of the sower and the seed recorded in Mark 4, I typically always thought it was attributed to like categories of groups or people, where the four different types of soil or hearts are four different types of groups of people. And what I mean is like, so this group, this group of people, this chunk of people, not an individual, but this group of people they receive the 30 and the 60 and the 104 return. 
you know, this group is made up of the ones where the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things choke the word and they don't become unfruitful. And then and you could, you know, apply that to the other two. But it was more or less towards, I always thought of it as like a group of people, like a chunk of people. But in Matthew, rather than applying it to groups of people like I'm, I myself have typically done, we're going to see it's directed towards individuals. And we'll explain why that's so important here shortly. It says, for whoever has... To him, more will be given. Well, more what? More understanding about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So we're in verse 12, but what do we just talk about in relation to the seed on the good ground? Matthew 13, 23 says, But he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. So it's one thing to know about something. It's another thing to understand it. So Jesus is pointing out how important understanding is. Proverbs 4, 5 in the first part of that verse says, get wisdom, get understanding. Proverbs 24, 3 says, through wisdom, a house is built and by understanding it is established. So back to verse 12, for whoever has, so has what? It will, has the understanding. So whoever has the understanding to him more, well, more what? More understanding will be given and he will have abundance. That word abundance really jumped off the page to me. And this scripture is where the name of this podcast came from, abundance. So at the top of my Bible on that page, I wrote a couple things. Uh, one thing, and again, this was early in the morning. I wrote abundance 129.21, a.m. And that was the date. That was when I was reading. Because I really felt like the Holy Spirit was directing me to you know, start this podcast. And, and that was the cool thing about that abundance because, you know, what are you going to call it? <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't know any clever names to come up with a, a name for a, a podcast. So anyways, that name abundance jumped off the page at me. And the second thing I wrote on the top of my Bible on that page was to go along with verse 23, I wrote, this is why discipleship is so important. One, hear the word first. And two, we must understand it for it to produce. So side note, in relation to the name of the podcast, I planned on just calling it Abundance. But the more I learned about trying to find a podcast with the search option, you know, when you're going on these things, it really needed to have something else with it or else it'd be really hard to find. So hence the name Abundance Christian Discipleship. So verse 12, but whoever does not have, and again, what are we talking about? Understanding, even what he has will be taken away from him. So then as I got down to verse 19, it really continued to minister to me. Verse 19 says, when anyone, okay, I'm an anyone, you're an anyone, hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. So again, I'm not saying some of this for the sake of being repetitive, but here's what we can take away from that verse. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, so first we must hear the word, or the Bible, next, one must understand in order for it to produce. The second thing that jumped out to me is the word anyone. You know, anyone. That even includes believers. You know, so you and I qualify as an anyone. Uh, the next thing is understanding is the key. If someone doesn't understand what the word means, it will not profit them. It's not enough to hear the word, we must understand it. And the next thing, and if we don't understand it, what will happen? Then the wicked one will come and snatch it away. 
what was sown in his heart. So these scriptures really ministered to me. And you may be wondering, well, how did you think to start a podcast from what you just read? (laughs) And the best way I can describe it is that it's just a knowing. It just comes by spending continuous relationship with Jesus, by spending time with him. And something I'd like to point out, in this particular situation, this wasn't me you know, seeking out an answer on whether I should start the podcast. I just woke up in the night, made the decision to spend some time with Jesus. And from my time spent in the word, there was that still small voice. And I believe Holy Spirit was ministering a direct word to me personally. And that's one way he does it is through his word. You know, it's one thing to hear somebody else share what they've learned. You know, we go on Sundays and we go listen to our pastors and they're sharing what the Holy Spirit has ministered to them. They're sharing it with us to build us up so that we can get equipped to go out and because we're the saints, we're the ones that go out and do the work of the ministry. The pastor shares with us what Holy Spirit has ministered to him, but then or him or her, and I know that might mess with some of your theologies, me saying the word her, but we then go out and we do the work of the ministry. And, you know, you're listening to this and there's other podcasts and other preachers and things you could be listening to. Again, we're sharing with you what we feel the Holy Spirit has ministered to us. But you can go directly to the spout yourself. You can go directly, stick your mouth right on the faucet and you can drink directly and get the living water right from the word yourself. You don't have to go through someone else. But when you go to the word yourself, the Holy Spirit not saying that the Holy Spirit won't minister to you through what someone else has learned, but you can go directly to the water source, the living water yourself, read the Bible, and don't be worried about understanding it. And we'll talk, I mean, fully understanding everything that you read. And, and I'll talk about that a little later, but you know, you can go right to the word yourself and the Holy Spirit will minister to you directly. So I'll continue on at the end of this discussing a little more about the podcast, but I just want to finish some, some final thoughts from Matthew 13 discussing this parable. So back to these four types of soil or conditions of the heart. Here's the key. I want to point out that we all can have parts of our lives or have seasons in our lives where our hearts are any type of these four soils. So again, these four soils aren't necessarily for groups of people or anything like that. It's for us individually. And we're not restricted to, well, I believe in Jesus I've experienced freedom. I have an understanding of who I am in Christ. I'm a part of this 30, 60, and 100-fold return group for the rest of my life. You know, no. All of us can have areas of our lives where the seed, which is the word, is growing on one of these four types of soils or in our hearts. So an example, someone may be walking in divine health. They believe in using their spiritual authority made available to us all by Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection. They may believe in the laying on of hands and that it's their job to lay their hands on the sick and see them recover, that they're to speak directly to the mountain, not tell Jesus about the mountain, but speak directly to it like Mark eleven twenty three says. And so they can be operating in those types of things. And yet that individual is 80K in debt and is in the red each month in the area of their finances. So one area of their life is on one type of soil and another area of their life is the word is on a different type of soil. So in one area of their life, they may be seeing that 30 or that 60 or 100 fold return. But in another area of their life, 
you know, the word may be getting stolen away. So in the area of healing, they may have understanding and the seed, which is the word, has fallen on good ground in their heart. But in the area of finances, they don't have as much understanding of God's system and how it applies to money. So in that area, their heart may be any of the three other soils. So another example, we could be walking in love towards others and really showcasing the love of Christ to other people. And yet our marriage is in turmoil and our kids are afraid of us. And again, there's many other examples we can look at, but just a couple of examples so you can see what I'm trying to share with you. But all I'm wanting to point out is that it's very possible that there may be areas in our lives where we have understanding on what God's word says about a particular area, but in others, you know, not so much. Again, we're talking about how the word is a seed. And if we want things to be different in our lives, it's not just enough for the seed to get in our heart. We must have understanding as well. And how do we get understanding? We just spend time with Jesus. You know, Jesus is the word. We first get the word in us by simply reading the Bible. And the more time we spend with him, the more understanding will be revealed to us. But understanding grows like a seed. It takes time. And as understanding comes, we will start to see that 30, 60, and 100 fold return. And again, kind of like we talked at the beginning, yeah, we want to see that good return, but we don't need to be focused on the 100 fold return right away. Let's just seek after Jesus and that 30-fold return will come and that 60-fold return will come and that 100 return will come before we even know it and it'll be effortlessly. Why? Just because we're better understanding the word. It won't be us trying harder. It won't be trying us trying more to try and uh, change areas of our life because we really, really want the word to take root. You know, no, it just it just happens, Okay. We just spend time with Jesus and we just grow and develop just like a seed. So after reading all this back to the idea of the podcast, I felt I was really supposed to move forward with taking the steps necessary with beginning the podcast. So within a couple days, I went ahead and I ordered a microphone from what I had researched and found a couple weeks prior. I downloaded a recording and editing program off the internet. And then I went ahead and started an account on, on this website, this Anchor FM so really, that's the background behind how the, the Abundance Podcast came to be. And with this episode, I just really want to encourage you to dive into the Word. Spend time with Jesus. And yes, we talked about taking the next step and being obedient to do what He lays on our hearts to do. But in order to be at a place where we're usable to take the next step, we first need to just get into the Word. Just spend time with Jesus. And if you're new to the faith... You know, stick in the New Testament, and that's what I'd encourage you to do, and do that just to start. You know, there's nothing wrong with the Old Testament. You know, I love reading the Old Testament, but if you're new to the faith, it'll be easier to read the Old Testament once you get a revelation of Jesus and how he operated in grace and mercy. So I'd encourage you to start in John if you don't know where to start. Um, and if you read John, I'd probably go to Romans next. Um, but again, just stick with the New Testament until you get a little bit better understanding of who Jesus is. I want to encourage you to find a way of reading that works for you. You know, don't, I've mentioned a couple different ways of, of how I read, but don't try to conform your time with Jesus to look like someone else. You know, some read in the morning and some read at night, you know, and that's not to say you can't do both. Like I've mentioned before, I'm a night owl, but when I came to the end of myself 
and I started truly running after God back in 2013, I just couldn't get enough of my time with Jesus. I mean, I looked forward to it. I couldn't wait for it. I, I hate, well, I shouldn't say I hated going to work, but I mean, if I could just stay home all day and read, I, I would have loved to have done it. Now, again, with getting up in the morning, like I said, I'm a night owl. It was a challenge for me to get myself up in the morning. But with the help of three or four alarms in the morning, I'd get up and spend time with Jesus. And there'd be times throughout the day with the type of job I had where I could be sitting with nothing to do for an hour or even two hours. So I'd bring along with me a Christian book. And, and while I was just waiting until I could continue on with what I was doing with my job, I just, I just read these books. But again, I couldn't wait to get home and spend time in the Word before I, you know, <laughs> zonked out at night. It was funny. It was almost like it was almost like I had an internal clock. All of a sudden, I'd wake up and I look at the clock, and it was just a couple minutes after twelve. Like like clockwork, I would fall asleep at, at midnight, and then I'd just go to sleep. You know, and some of you may be thinking, "Well, how could you be reading the Word and 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 fall asleep?" Well, you know. <laughs> I was exhausted, but spending time in the Word was important to me. And and back then, man, I mean, and I'm not say, saying this to sound all spiritual or nothing like that, but I mean, I would read as little or as much as I could, but kind of an hour was kind of the average of time that I would spend in the Word. And again, I know we're all at different seasons of life. You know, at that time, I was single. I didn't have a wife or kids or anything like that. And, uh, but at the end of the day, you don't have to read an hour. You can read a couple minutes. You can read a half an hour. You can read for five hours. But at the end of the day, all I'm trying to say is the things that are important to us, we'll make time for them. And if you miss a day or something like that, you don't need to feel condemned about that. Just thank God for the work he's doing in you. He's with you all the time. And I'll touch on that in a moment, but you just keep running after Jesus. But again, just to kind of finish my point, I couldn't wait to get home and spend time with Jesus after you know my work day. And the cool part was that when I'd read something, whether it was in the morning or at night or whatever it may be, and I knew I wasn't understanding everything I was reading, but I'd just read what I could and and understand what I could, and then I'd just go about my work day. There were so many times where something would happen throughout the day, and it would bring to my remembrance what I had just read that morning or the day before. So the word was just coming alive to me. And the word was always alive. I just it was coming alive to me. I remember going to church on a Sunday and you know first off I attend an awesome church. <laughs> the people are great. You know, you won't fall asleep during the music. The word is delivered in a way that it makes sense. It's not made to be overcomplicated. It's presented in a way that you can see the direct application in your daily life. But I'd go to church and when I'd leave, I couldn't wait to get home and get back in my Bible because I knew Holy Spirit wanted to minister directly to me just in my time spent one-on-one -on -one with Him. And it wasn't because church was bad. You know, I, I got stuff out of church. I was growing and growing. You know, that's the cool thing about going to church is that the man of God or the woman of God that we're listening to, hopefully they spent a lot of time seeking after Jesus. And they can really give us the meat of what they've learned so we can we can learn things from them that took them years, you know, so that's what's really cool about church. But I was just so excited to get back home and, and just hang out with Holy Spirit, just me and him. And I just want to point out, you can have relationship like that. And the cool thing is, 
is it'll be even better than what I just described because it'll be your personal relationship with Jesus. But how does it happen? It happens by getting in the Word, and it takes time. So don't be concerned about going from zero to hero in just one day. You know, what did we just go over? We just went over how the kingdom of God operates, and it's by seed, time, and harvest. God's never expecting you to have everything all figured out. He just tells us to come as we are. You know, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, and this is Jesus speaking. It says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am, gen- and something I just want to point out there, it says, and learn from me. You know, when I was reading that last night, I didn't see that. I, that didn't really stick out to me, but that's cool. How you can read over a scripture a million different times. And then the next time you read it, you'll get something else out of it. Just like a podcast, and I'm not saying this for the sake of my podcast, but you can, you know, have your pastor's message or someone else's podcast or whatever. And you can listen to it a million times. And then all of a sudden on the 57th time, get something else out of it that you didn't hear. And you're like, well, why didn't I hear it? Well, the reason why is because the Holy Spirit is ministering to you. And sometimes it's not even what I or your pastor or someone is saying. The Holy Spirit will help you understand something. And what I'm trying to say, it could be you know, maybe a little bit related to, but not even really be what myself or what your pastor said. It'll just be the Holy Spirit ministering to you. So again, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from God. Learn from Jesus. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, God doesn't put big, heavy burdens on us, okay? God's all about stretching us, but he doesn't ever give us more than we can handle. And if you think that that is in relation to the to the trials and tribulations and the stuff that you come into contact with, go back and listen to my last series on the sovereignty of God. God's not the reason for the death and the sickness and the junk that's coming in your life, okay? He's not. And in that series, we go over the book of Job. There's misconceptions about that, that God put those sicknesses on Job and and brought all that calamity on Job or that he allowed Satan to do it. Let me just point out, it wasn't God's, and I know this is a rabbit trail, but it wasn't God's to allow. Satan in this world, Satan is the ruler of this world. Okay? Now we have authority. Jesus got those keys of authority back, but... It wasn't God's to give. So anyways, and, and and also we went over Paul's thorn in the flesh. But go back and listen to that sovereignty of God teaching, not for my sake, but because it's just what has set me free. And I just wanted to share that with you. So again, God's burden is always light. So our relationship will flourish when we stop putting pressure on ourselves and we just be with Jesus. You know, just be with him. Don't be concerned with how long, you know, and I'm talking about time-wise, how long you read. Don't be concerned with how many chapters you read. You know, when you're reading, you may read a couple verses and then come across a scripture that you don't want to move past. You know, you just want to stay on that scripture. And before you know it, you spend about a half hour just focused on that one scripture verse. So why is that? Because that one scripture was ministering to you. Holy Spirit was speaking directly to you through the Word of God, through that one scripture. Then who knows, maybe you go to work all day and you're thinking about that scripture all day and you get home and you can't wait. You open up your Bible and you just want to read over it again. And who knows, 
maybe you end up spending another 30 minutes just looking at that one scripture and just kind of chewing on it. And my pastor always says, like a cow chewing on his cud. And that's what meditation is. You know, it's not like this uh, Western or Eastern philosophy or, you know, whatever that is, sitting with your downward dog stance and all that. That's not meditation. Meditation with the Word of God is just thinking something over in your brain, just letting it stew in there. It's like a good pot roast. You got to let that sucker, you know, don't put it on high, put it on low and let that sucker go for seven hours. (laughs) But again, with my point, you know, if you're worried about, you know, there's nothing wrong with reading plans and all that stuff. You know, those reading plans are designed to get our nose in the Bible. But what I'm just describing is, you know, well, and back with the reading plans, sometimes we can be so concerned with, oh, I'm going to read six chapters a day and I'm going to read these that we're so focused on quantity than we are quality. And so in this situation, so again, not against reading plans, but what I'm describing here is where the Holy Spirit has had one scripture and it's just a word in season and it's ministering to you. And because you're not worried about how long you read or how fast you read or how much you read or anything like that, you're just spending time on that one scripture and it's ministering to you. It's taking root. It's a seed and it's growing. And you could get to the end of the day, and if you really started to think about it, you'd be like, man, I only read about three verses because when I got to that third verse, that was the one that I was stuck on all day. But that's awesome. <laughs> I love those moments. One scripture, I think it's in First or Second Corinthians, uh, and it's either chapter 7 or 8, and I'm not sure, but it's verse 1. I do know that. But it says, one thing that God's really been ministering to me about is it says that knowledge puffs up, okay? So we can have all this knowledge, but we can be really um, arrogant in the way we present it, and it'll turn people off. You know, we can puff up because we have knowledge. We can have, yeah, anyways. But that's a scripture for me that's ministered to me, and so that's something that I'm chewing on. So what I'm just just describing is a fun relationship. You know, where the pressure is off. There's, it's not burdensome. That's fun to read the word like that and have it come alive. And, and yeah. So anyways, just spend time with Jesus. And that's not to say that our time reading the Bible can't develop into some something more of like a study time compared to just simply reading. You know, I shared how I felt God was challenging me to do that in my personal walk with him. Now, that's not to say I still don't just kick my feet up and read. Then when I'm done, stick my bookmark back in until the next time I decide to read like that again. And you know what? I may switch it up from time to time. Sometimes I read Christian books in the morning. Sometimes I have a hard time getting up, so I throw on the TV or a podcast and listen to a couple pastors that I like to listen to as I get myself and the kids ready in the morning. You know, I'm just trying to share with you that there's a lot of freedom when we spend time with Jesus. There's no set way we have to spend time with him. Just spend time with him. And the best part is, what you'll learn is that he's always with you. And even if you don't have a Bible with you or you know something else to read or listen to, you can just talk with him throughout your day. You know, my prayer life isn't the typical quote-unquote prayer life that we hear of. You know, I don't spend an hour every morning, you know, praying or stuff like that. I, I just don't. <laughs> I I can hang out with God all day and I talk to him all day, okay? That doesn't mean there aren't times where I have to be really locked into what I'm doing at my job and stuff like that. And and that doesn't mean that, you know, when I'm in these staff meetings that I I sit there and I just 
uh, underneath my breath or talking to Jesus and I'm not listening or something. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to make this weird. All I'm trying to say is that I recognize that he's with me all day long. And in the couple minutes I'm walking down the hallway, I can just say, hey, Lord, what you doing today? You know, what, what, <laughs> what's up, God? You know, um, it, it's, it's just personal, okay? So again, he's always with you. So all that to say, I hope this encourages you to seek after Jesus, to develop your personal relationship with him, to step out and do the things that you feel Holy Spirit is leading you to do. And no matter what you do, it should never be for the esteem you may or may not get from another individual, but simply to be obedient and walk in the direction God has for you. Thanks for listening and join us again next time on the Abundance Podcast.